Well, today we are halfway through the sermon series on the book of Philippians, uh, one of the Apostle Paul's prison letters. Uh, this letter is a very warm, personal correspondence that Paul sent from his jailhouse in Rome to his dear Christian brothers and sisters living in the city of Philippi. Pastors Pat and Ray, Renee have already walked with us through the first two chapters of this book, and we're continuing today in chapter three. It's really fascinating to notice how the experience of the Apostle Paul back in the olden days actually reflects on our present day circumstances. Paul was locked down, but looking up, and to a large degree, so are we. Paul, he was locked down in prison under house arrests, living under guard in his own rented home in the city of Rome, awaiting the decision of his case. Now, I know that technically speaking, we're not under house arrest, waiting the decision of our cases. However, we have been staying home as much as possible and have been awaiting decisions that affect our freedom to come and go as we please. While we've been living in lockdown of sorts for about a year, the Apostle Paul lived in lockdown for two years. He had some limited liberties, but was still considered a prisoner. He was chained to a Roman guard, but was allowed visitors. As we read the letter that he wrote from lockdown, it's encouraging to see how he continued to serve the Lord. He continued to preach the gospel and to encourage the Christian community. His imprisonment was not in vain. It wasn't a waste of time for him. It didn't put his practice of the Christian faith on hold. Even in lockdown, this man was able to leverage his negative circumstances for positive purposes. In chapter 1, verse 12, he wrote saying that what had happened to him had actually served to advance the gospel. During his lockdown in Rome, the whole palace guard learned about Jesus as well as members of the Emperor Caesar's household, and at least some of them became believers. The resulting ripple effect sent a wave of encouragement throughout the churches so that most of the believers were encouraged and more confident in proclaiming the gospel without fear. And so Paul, he was locked down, but was still of good cheer. He was rejoicing and repeatedly told the Philippian Christians to rejoice as well. Chapter 3, verse 1, where we start our study today, says it one more time. Paul writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He was locked down, but still looking up. From lockdown, Paul was actually setting an example for us to follow. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, he states that explicitly uh, without beating around the bush. He says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now, how do you think he did it? How could he be locked down but still be looking up? And how can we do it? How can we be locked down and still look up? Well, that's what we're going to be learning today from Paul's example and what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, showing us that we can be locked down and look up when we have a proper perspective on the past, the present, 
and the future. After waxing rather, rather eloquently and a bit tongue-in-cheek about his impressive spiritual resume and accomplishments, Paul shares from the heart, and it's recorded in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This portion of the letter Paul wrote from prison is pure gold for us. It's a treasure trove of valuable information that orients us to what we need to be able to do like Paul in order to be locked down and still look up. It's ironic and timely. Ironically, we are receiving lessons on how to live our Christian lives and run the Christian race from a man who wasn't going anywhere, who was chained to a Roman guard, who was in lockdown. But it's timely because we are receiving this orientation for life precisely at a time when we are in lockdown and can't just go out and do whatever we want. If the Apostle Paul was alive on earth today and wanted to send us this message, I imagine he might have done so by video, uh, similar to maybe how you're viewing this message I'm sharing with you today. Uh, he might have asked to borrow one of his guard's smartphones, one with an integrated high-definition camera. And once he had that camera set up and ready to roll, we can imagine him shuffling in his shackles to stand in front of the camera and Paul's cheerful smile would be in stark contrast to the look on the face of the reluctant guard handcuffed to his side. And I imagine Paul would begin speaking to us by saying, I am glad and rejoice with you, so you too should rejoice and be glad with me. Follow my example. We can be locked down, but still be looking up when we have a proper perspective on the past the present, and the future. Then raising his hand with a chain attached to it, I think he would tell us three things. Forget the past, press on in the present, keep your eyes on the future prize. Start by forgetting the past. The Apostle Paul's past, like ours, was a mixed bag of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Being in lockdown can make anyone more reflective, and it generally gives us more time to think about the past. Doing so can be dangerous. Pondering the past can trigger pride, shame, or blame. 
If we look back at all of our accomplishments, the trophies on the shelf, the degrees and certificates on the wall, the lists of jobs well done and achievements celebrated, all of those things uh, that we might use to puff up our resumes, those things can trigger pride and make us vain. On the other hand, if we look back and focus in on all of our sins and failures, our poor choices, shortcomings and regrets, all of those things can trigger shame. And furthermore, if we look back into our past and reflect on all of the insults we've received, the offenses that have been committed against us, all of the times that other people have hurt us and let us down, that can trigger blame. And Paul makes it clear that none of those things from the past will help us be joyful like him and effective in living the Christian life in lockdown. The first bit of counsel he offers us is simple, and it has to do with the past. Forget it. Drop the blame, the shame, and everything that could make you vain. Don't focus on the past. Doing so is entering dangerous territory. When you retrace your steps to the past, you will face the temptation to toot your own horn, to wallow in regret, or to throw yourself a pity party. The Apostle Paul could have used his lockdown time to retrace his steps back down any one of those three roads from the past. He had done a lot in the past that he could have been proud of. He had developed a pretty stellar resume as a young man. If at that time you'd been looking to hire a passionate, perfectionistic Pharisee who would go the extra mile to intimidate and eradicate anyone who dared embrace Jesus as Lord outside of the established religious tradition of the time, he would have been your man. You can check out his impressive resume yourself. He put a good portion of it out there for us to read in Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to 7, to illustrate that although he might have had every good reason to boast, to be proud or arrogant, he chose not to be. Paul was an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee who lived by the letter of the law. And if he'd been collecting brownie points, he'd had enough, he would have had enough to, to have a brownie banquet. But Paul refused to look back and take the path of pride. All of that stuff, he said, forget it. Neither did Paul go back and take a walk of shame, even though he could have. Paul had done so many things he regretted, things that he came to understand were very wrong. This was the person described in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, as the man who breathed out murderous threats against the followers of Jesus. And that is very bad breath. What came out of his mouth were words of intimidation intended to spread fear. He didn't just breathe out murderous threats. He actually made good on many of them and was responsible for the execution and imprisonment of many followers of Jesus. It was a real shame the way he had treated others. So Paul legitimately could have used his time in lockdown to beat himself up for all of the shameful things he had done in the past, but he didn't. He knew that he had been forgiven by Jesus, his savior. And so all of that stuff, he said, forget it. Similarly, Paul could have chosen to use the extra time on his hands during lockdown 
to go back and lick his wounds from all of the digs, insults, and offenses that he had suffered at the hands of others. He could have blamed the Jews. He could have blamed the Gentiles. He could have blamed all of those hard-hearted, stiff-necked people who had treated him like dirt, who had even tried to kill him. He could have been upset over his life in prison and the difficulties he was facing because those, even some so-called Christians on the outside, were preaching the gospel for the sole intention to make life more difficult for him while he was in chains. He could have passed his time playing the blame game day and night, writing a long list of names in a little black book, the names of people who had crossed him in the past. But he didn't. All of that stuff he said, forget it. And Paul sets us an example in this, an example to show us how we can be locked down and still look up. His motto to deal with the past was, forget it. He chose to drop the blame, the shame, and everything that could make him vain. It helped him, and it can help us as well. This is what the Bible tells us. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul wrote, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Then in verse 13, Paul refers to his past and says, I forget it. Philippians 3.13 says, forgetting what lies behind. Maybe that's the permission and encouragement that we need to let some of the things go from the past that are holding us back from following Jesus fully in the present. There is nothing from the past worth more than knowing Jesus in the present and being found in a right relationship with him. The Bible makes it clear that our past should never dominate our lives. It can inform, it can inspire, it can result in thanksgiving and praise to God, but it definitely needs to be kept in its place. Our past is a static collection of chapters in the book of our lives that have already been written. But those chapters from the past do not have the authority to write our present chapter, nor our future chapters. We give that authority to God. The man in chains, Paul in lockdown, shows us how we can be locked down, but still be looking up. It requires a proper perspective on the past, the present, and the future. Forget the past and press on in the present. Notice what Paul says about the present in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. While Paul barely gives a nod to the past, he underscores the importance of the present. Since Paul admits that he has not reached his goal, the goal of knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and becoming like him, so forgetting what is behind, he then uses a couple of word phrases to describe what to do in the present. He presses on, 
and he strains toward what is ahead. What powerful phrases. Think about them. Press on. The root idea is to chase after and refuse to give up the pursuit. It's an unstoppable, dogged determination that takes us unwaveringly toward a destination. Paul pressed on to know Jesus in his fullness and to become like him. The second phrase describing what to do in the present is straining toward what is ahead. Straining implies exertion. It implies sweat and hard work. It's giving this effort everything that we've got. The Apostle Paul was in lockdown, but he was pressing on. He was chained to a Roman guard, but he was straining toward what was ahead. He realized that God could use even his imprisonment to get him further down the road of his Christian life. A lockdown wasn't frustrating God's plan to develop Paul's spiritual character and Christ-likeness or Christian service. It actually served to enhance it. Paul was so committed to knowing Christ and making him known, and he never stopped pressing on. We are encouraged to follow his example and others who live like that. He made that very clear in chapter 3, verse 17, where he says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Don't pout in the present, but proactively press on. Strain toward what is ahead. Present circumstances might just be blessings in disguise to help us advance in our faith and Christian service. Perhaps this is a bit of a wake-up call. Maybe after running the Christian race for a while, we've backed off a bit. We've let up on the gas pedal some. I mean, isn't a pandemic and a lockdown a good excuse to just pause? I wonder if we could see ourselves running the Christian race from God's perspective, if we could see some divine drone footage looking down on us from above, would it be clear that we are pressing on, that we are straining toward what is ahead like racers running a race? Or would that aerial footage show us meandering around? Do we still have a flat-out, wholehearted commitment to Jesus and strive to know him and become more like him no matter what, without slacking off or lollygagging around? Paul is clear on this. We are not to park it in the past or in the present. Some people like mottos for faith and life. And maybe you know some people who actively embrace the motto in Latin, carpe diem. What does that mean? Seize the day. I mean, that would be a great motto that would go so well with Paul's point to press on in the present. But other people may seem to passively embrace another motto that is a little less Latin. Status quo. When anyone embraces the motto status quo, they don't want anything to change. And they typically get stuck in the race of life, trying to preserve the past or hold on to the present without much thought for the future and all that God wants to continue to do in them and through them. In Philippians 3, God uses the Apostle Paul to light a fire under status quo faith to propel us forward, to press on, to strain toward what is ahead. 
Here in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul shows us how to be in lockdown, but keep looking up. Something that requires a proper perspective on the past, the present, and the future. Forget the past. Press on in the present. And keep your eyes on the future prize. The future is our hope and our inspiration. We can forget the past and press on in the present because we know that our current circumstances will not be our eternal circumstances. We can forget the past. We can press on in the present because we have our eyes on the prize. That's what Paul did. He tells us that in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Leaving the past behind, we press on toward the goal, pursuing our heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. There's a future prize for all who run this race and persevere to the end. The prize keeps us looking up even though we may be locked down. A heavenly inheritance awaits us, a glorious future as we follow Jesus. While we may die on earth, we live in anticipation of a resurrection from the dead. When you hear Paul say to keep your eyes on the prize, you might jump to the conclusion thinking that the prize is heaven. However, it's even better than that. The goal of the Christian life is not just to one day receive the grand prize of an, an eternal, all-inclusive stay in heaven, in paradise. The prize isn't the place. It's the person whose presence lights up the location, Jesus. As we run the race of the Christian life, we grow in and enjoy our relationship with Jesus and ultimately experience eternity with him in an environment that he has specially prepared for us that is not tainted by sin and sickness, which is the greatest place to be because we will be in the presence of the Great One, Jesus, our Savior. Listen to Paul's summary of what lies ahead from Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You may be locked down today, you may be in chains of sorts today, even suffering all kinds of physical ailments and discomforts. However, do not give up. Keep your eyes on the future prize. Remember that we are just passing through here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven, and there we'll be with Jesus who will transform our degenerating earthly bodies into bodies that will never degenerate again. This lockdown doesn't need to drag us down. We can be locked down, but be looking up, like Paul, following his example and instruction. Forgetting the past, let's let go of the shame, the blame, and the things that can make us vain. Pressing on in the present, let's give our all to following Jesus and living for him, not settling for the status quo. Keeping our eyes on the future prize, Let's remember that the future's bright and we're not there yet. We are still responding to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, so let's stay encouraged. 
We may be locked down, but we're still looking up. I want to sign off this sermon the way that a good friend of my family signs off her letters when she writes us. This dear sister has written us many, many times over the decades to encourage us, and her sign-off has grown longer and more meaningful over the years. I close this message today adopting the words that she used to close off her letter to my wife Sherry and myself at the end of last year, and I want to use her words to conclude, encouraging you to look up, even in lockdown. Life is definitely different, but God is so good to us all the time. We have so much to be thankful for. Keep the faith and keep looking up. Praise God, the best is yet to come. Jesus is coming again, perhaps today. May he find us grateful, faithful, and ready for heaven and home. With love and prayers, Trevor.